Hi everyone, my name is Patrick Akil and I adore this conversation. It shows me that it's possible to go from software engineer all the way to CEO. Returning guest back from episode 20 is my friend Mahdi Fani Disfani, who did exactly that. We cover his journey and everything that happened in between. Enjoy this episode. Beyond coding. So what, what is like your main focus on a day-to-day nowadays? Well, um, compared to two years ago when I was basically joining IKEA as an engineer manager, these yeah. days um, I'm the kind of the director of the company uh, called Crusoe, uh, the branch of the Netherlands, because Crusoe it's a bigger consultancy in the Nordics, and, and now they're exp- expanding to, to the rest of Europe. Yeah, and uh, and Netherlands is one of the the new markets that I'm going to be the the CEO of that. And if I'm going to now compare myself the, the daily differences that they had compared to the past it's um it's very kind of also kind of problem solving oriented mm-hmm. on on the business side i would say because now as a consultancy it's um it's very now important that you target uh, the right problems in the market and also you are in the places that you should be yeah so that that kind of creative research around you that of course it's including networking is including you be on the top of the trends, what's happening in the market, what is the needs that maybe would raise in the coming months, and just be prepared for that. So, for example, to give an example, I mean, how my day would look like, basically, after, of course, after dropping and picking up my, my daughter between this time. Yeah. And, and someone said very nicely that, of course, you can achieve a lot between drop-off and pick-up. Of course. So, and I'm trying to, of course, still to keep that balance between family and work. Because when you come to this position, especially to the company that I'm now going to direct, which is in a startup here, uh, it's it can easily get lost, mm. the life part. And you need to ensure that you get the energy from that. And of course, you get the motivation mixture from the work and together you can make magic uh, when it comes to work. Yeah. And so I keep that uh, I, I, as much as I can balance. When it comes to the work, it's usually starting, of course, with, uh, with the meetings and with some meetings regarding that how we're going to approach uh, perhaps some leads or uh, clients we have or some projects we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, defining the directions in the first months for me is very important. Yeah. What is the vision of this company? Where we are heading to? What are the really the services or the thing that we're going to provide to the to the clients or to people? Because um, let's be honest about that. I always hated consultancies. Mm. So I never liked consultancies because my whole life, career life, was on the product side. I was working for product companies, National and Netherlands, IKEA, Zufer, before that, and, and Bytecode, and all those companies. I always hired basically consultants to work for me. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the things that I always missed was consultants are not basically maybe uh, behaving or acting as as to the expectation that I had. Okay. It's not something wrong with them. They were like amazing people, amazing engineers. They were joining, but there was a mismatch to delivery, the outcome that I expected and what was handed over to me. Okay. And you always felt like a piece of information is lost when a consultant is gone. Yeah, the knowledge that they gained. <laughs> exactly. And then you need to figure it out yourself because it was always in a scary day that the people say, okay, the consultant contract is over. Mm-hmm. And you were always thinking what's happening the day after. And of course, you do your best to do all the documentation, handovers, but there's still some of the information can stick to the people's brain and then be gone when they are gone. Yeah, and, and that was one of the main pains. And sometimes working with some companies that better to not name them, but I mean, I suffered working with them personally because the quality of work was so low. Mm. And sometimes you feel that I'm going to save money to work with lower kind of rate consultancies yeah. 
but at the end you pay double. Yeah, you get what you pay for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the quality of the work is very important when it comes to that market. And I work with consultancies that the quality was really overbeating the price that we were paying, and that was basically the deal I always liked. And That's I the value. To say, exactly. Yeah. So when this opportunity came along the way uh, around a couple of months back, and of course I fought for it and and got to this position. Because it was my dream, as we discussed last time, I wanted yeah, to yeah. have this startup, and I was looking to find maybe the right time in the coming two years or something to make it happen. But then sometimes opportunity comes, and you need to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So I tried to chase it, and and now I'm here. But when it comes to that, I said, okay, this is consultancy. <coughs> Let's not be consultancy mm. in in the body of consultancy, and yeah. I'm gonna call ourselves as value delivery company or value delivery squad. Yeah. What does it mean is we only uh, be present and participating in the places and in the companies and projects that we are assured that we can deliver value mm-hmm. and we deliver the value which I'm, we are assured that is going to have an impact on the yeah. client or on, on their customers and so on. Because I think it's the world is full of the meaningless works. Mm. And and personally, I think this, com- this world needs more meaningful plus trendy things to happen and of course, can kind of remove the fears from the technology, which sometimes you feel it yourself when you're on the product side, and maybe you're limited uh, by the by the structure. Yeah. So, and one of the things that I'm now iterating over, it's the AI thing that came over the past year. It's it's a boom. Um, some people got it as benefits. Everyone is building things on top of that. Some people still are afraid of it. Some people are still ignoring it. And uh, and so there's a mixture of feeling about this. Yeah. And and if you are really a tech company. And you have expertise. Personally, myself, I've worked in several companies and I have that technical background. And I brought people from product and agile and, and those kind of uh, aspects, job families together to build this company um, now as the as a foundation. When you have them together, perhaps you can overcome those fears and you can convert them to opportunities. And also sometimes you can confirm, yes, you should be afraid. Yeah. That's going to not mean good for you and your business. So, it's a good driver sometimes. Exactly. So those are the things that I see as values to deliver. So some part of my day is focused on the values really we're going to deliver. So I think the first month, the first two months is super packed. Of course, you have administration. I need to pay salaries. I need to ensure that the money is running and the company is running. The office have enough I don't know, accessories. I mean, this is a startup vibe that I love as well. At the same time, these are overheads during your job that maybe you don't have in big companies. In mm. IKEA, everything was set up for me and I just hire people and then, yeah, you have the team and you do the job. Yeah. But now I need to ensure the environment is also set. Yeah. Which is fun at the same time, it's an extra work that you need to do. But when it comes to the really focused time and productivity, uh, really my time with my team is spent on, on basically vision, plan, how we can uh, be useful for clients and how we can ensure that we are the right people for them. So that's basically also covering a lot of my time during the day that we think, and also I do research and we do conversation with the team. At yeah. the same time, we, of course, do networking and looking for basically finding the right spots for us to be present. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. To me, I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking the skills that you laid out and what your day-to-day is, is vastly different from kind of starting out in software engineering. And I just want to make a small bridge because... You and I are very different in kind of the career paths. You started out very much in product. And I've been with CBL like, I think back, it's almost been five years. So I've done five years in consultancy and my career history is not that long. So it's vastly like the majority part of what I've done. And the funny thing is, I, I'd like to think it's different than other consultancy companies. I was always taught that when you start an assignment, you you start with the exit in mind. 
Yeah. Because at some point you have to leave yeah. off and the company needs to go and and do the thing by itself, right? Yeah. And even exactly. when I start assignments, I challenge if they actually need consultants because I think for a company to help them, it's better if they have the people internal. And if they can't, then we can help them out. But if we if they can, then I, I shouldn't be there. I'm not necessary there. Yeah. So maybe that's a bit maybe that's a bit controversial. Uh, but to kind of lead up to the point where you are where you are now, last time we spoke, we talked about kind of tech leadership and that was yeah. the, the focus and the focal okay. point. A few weeks after that, you moved to kind of an engineering <laughs> management position. And even then, you moved to a head of engineering management position kind of briefly. Yeah. And now you're CEO. Like, I feel like the position, and it's fully in line with what you said back yeah. then, which is why I think this is beautiful. <laughs> you step-by-step step are getting new responsibilities, right? They're yeah. more people-based, and now they're even more business-based. And I think the tech part is still there, but I think those responsibilities are more so delegated and less on your plate as a main yeah. focus point. Like that's not even on the plate that you mentioned now that, yeah. that is on your day to day. Can you mm -hmm. talk about the transition and let's start about from uh, the position of being a tech lead to that engineering management position, kind of the differences there, and then sure. we can lead up to what you do now. Absolutely. Um, and of course, I want to first iterate over what you said. Of course, we had this conversation about Zebia and, and some companies, I didn't have the chance or maybe the luck to work with some of them. Yeah. And the, the whole thing about the consultancy of the business, we, I'm just going to say, guys, we need to change this mm -hmm. perception. Yeah. Because as a client that I was for years, I didn't have a good understanding of what really the, the final benefit of having those people. And at the same time, not the people per se, I mean the companies getting getting as kind of a teammate. And at the same time, don't just see them as money seekers. They are there for delivering value. And I think uh, we aligned on that, that um, our, our vision is to make us obsolete on the client side. And yeah. that's the plan. Absolutely. So we don't want to stay there. We, the moment that we get in, we want to get out as soon as possible when we are happy that the client is fully onboarded and they are self-sufficient to do a stuff. And that's that's very lovely that Xavier and us, we are basically aligned on that. Yeah. And I think I also be, I need to iterate over the fact that to be honest, the, the, we need friendships or partnerships mm -hmm. over competition. I mean, competition can be healthy, but I mean, the competition can come not really to to stealing clients or doing, but it comes to making better or maybe maybe different quality of works when it comes to different yeah. names. So I think the partnership and the friendship would be my aim when it comes to this business. Now, moving on to, to your question, basically what happened last time, I was basically a tech lead in NN and I moved to engineer manager role at IKEA, yeah. which was basically a bigger size company, a global company compared to National Netherlands, which is mainly present in Europe. Mm -hmm. Then uh, one of the first projects that I have done, apart from the big project that I was working on, was basically also delivering our solar service in in us and yeah. it was very interesting because it was working in other continent and, and and totally new market totally new customers and and that was very nicely actually being done as well and thanks to my team and and then that comes also to having a wider view of basically a customer experience mm -hmm. because then uh, you when you go to that level apart from the technical qualities that you try to bring the best of the breed to the market and so on and so forth then you need to ensure that really the value is delivered uh, for the right problem. I mean, the same when it comes to products. And not only in one market, you can just say, I've done a great job, then it's going to roll out everywhere. No, then you need to learn that there is a difference between customer segment uh, segmentation. So you have different geolocations and you have different experiences and expectations. Yeah, And I, I learned that during that transition as well and also played a lot. 
And then you also get to learn, of course, getting closer to business when it comes to the junior manager roles or those leaderships. It's, it's a very important aspect, which is maybe sometimes coming first before the technical part. Mm-hmm. Because if the breach between these two worlds, the IT and stakeholders and business are not properly settled, then you cannot really achieve much. I mean, I, I felt it myself. I was kind of balancing, did you still have technical responsibilities in the projects you did Absolutely. there? Yeah. Absolutely. In, in IKEA, it's a, I always say that. I, engineer manager at IKEA, because every company has its own definition, is basically a solution architect, mm. team lead, tech lead, people manager, and uh, and basically you can say, um, yeah, a hands-on coder in some ways. Yeah. So this is combination of everything. That's all the hats. Yeah, and, and also one of the things is you have a lot of meetings to attend, to be honest, because um, you need to sync a lot of parties, especially the team that I was, uh, Energy Services in IKEA, you, you had several products and you have different stakeholders around it. As I said, IKEA is present in 33 countries. Mm-hmm. So if you multiply them, it by itself becomes too many people involved in projects. I need to find the rhythm to have the meetings at the same time uh, over oversighting the technical part to ensure that the delivery of the quality of the technical part is to the to the certain quality and you are accountable for delivery of the technical part so that yeah. should be your main role at the same time you will counterparting a personal counterpart with the with the product manager uh, with my manager as well with the, the UX leader to ensure that this basically we were calling them job families are very synced together that can be united by the business and together we deliver a value for the customers because when it comes to stakeholders, there's always this um, kind of debate with them that they have the feeling something is good for the business and mm-hmm. good for the customers. Yeah. But then we know that for years, we if you want to be successful in a business or product, you need to be data-driven. So tr- translating that data-driven in the right way and message it to business is very important. So if you miss out properly explain that, you miss out the opportunity to deliver something together. And of course, the great things that I love about IKEA, there's two things that was very nicely said and also the, the two values. One of them is togetherness. Like mm-hmm. you need, we are together anyway. So th- that's very nice. And you, the moment that you enter to the IKEA office, you feel it, that you are together. Everyone is supportive and everyone is, is there to help. Nice. And the other thing is about basically lead by example. I think these two are very critical especially when it comes to the role of engineer manager or the leaders above. Yeah. And togetherness, you have to really define it when it comes to a stakeholder management as well. And a junior manager has a role there. So at the beginning, I was very focused on the first months, especially because I needed to do some migration and do some foundational work. Um, I was very focused mainly on the technical solution drafting with my senior engineers. Mm-hmm. And also good to mention, when I joined IKEA, I had zero engineers internally and i was working only i guess it was five consultants okay that team um, over the two years let's mention that over the two years i hired around 20 people okay uh among which seven was internals so my team grew from zero to seven over a year plus Uh, and it was amazing because that was one of the targets i needed to hit and we discussed it internally yeah and so that big team has uh, has been uh, established along the the first months and at the same time, I was building the foundation, drafting it basically on the high level and then detailing it out with the senior engineers. Yeah. And then slowly I was more focused on the business side because I needed now to sell that solution and say, okay, we have this migration. I need to draft the values out of it to buy time to, at the same time, 
not disappoint them and say, okay, we have this feature queue and now you need to deliver it in a specific time. But they said, can we push it three months? And then why? And you need to have a good why explanation about yeah. that. And, and that becomes basically a more um, more to my plate of having meetings and, and thinking the kind of the overarching roads. And and at the same time, that was the moment also, uh, I think after, I think six, seven months, I was uh, uh, also doing acting head of engineering for several months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that add up to my meetings because I was playing two roles of a head of engineering and engineer manager. So together was a bit... A str- uh, like a bit of stretch for me. However, I loved it because it was a challenging, uh, actually, experience which I needed to learn a lot of things. What is the the main difference there? Do you oversee multiple teams from that head of engineering perspective? Yeah, when it comes to head of engineering, basically, some con- companies. I mean, IKEA called it uh, product engineer manager. Okay, which, which is translated as head of engineering. In some companies, they call it senior engineer manager. It, it's the moment exactly. You're handling a couple of. Uh, engineer managers under you and yeah. kind of product teams and, and products. <coughs> and and it comes also to more uh, strategical mm-hmm. decisions. It's also you get the, the budget on top and you need to divide it based on the focus and initiatives coming over the year. Yeah, You're responsible a lot on the budgeting, especially at IKEA. Um, you need to be very cautious about costs because we believe there that any cost coming on the IT even if it's not included directly on the product making, like of course IKEA make furniture, right? So if, I don't know, the cost of wood go up, it means that we need perhaps to increase our cost, uh, our price when it comes to the product selling. But there is no direct connection if you waste two hours of an engineering time in a meeting, how that impacts the customer. Yeah, because it's not the main thing. Exactly, that's why in IKEA it's very important you always be cautious about the spendings and you always be cautious on how you spend things and also forecasting. Yeah. So that's a very critical thing you need to do. Always cost consciousness is a value. We need to always be okay, certain that when we are spending things it's not going to negatively impact the business mm-hmm. which basically implicitly impacts the customer. Yeah, And that was very interesting because it's was the moment that all the war and things happened. I think everything was happening at the, at same, the same time. time. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I got the acting, then the war happened. And because all the companies started laying off, it was a really a crazy hit to the market, right? Mm-hmm. And financial crisis sort of uh, started back then. And and then I'm now in the row and all this limitation comes. And also, we, we don't, we, at IKEA, of course, we are proud of that we didn't lay off any people during that hard time. Yeah. But it still, it was the pressure on the head of engineering to have a, a, a new budget plan, how to react on those limitations that was coming unexpected to the plate. Yeah, and that's a, one of the thing. And another thing is now in that role, I was responsible to ensure that we are sync in the domain level with other head of engineering to ensure that, for example, we have a unified um, engineering basis. That mm-hmm. okay, we we defined it, uh, kind of the the baselines. And everyone adhere to that, and we start reusing components from each other. So we kind of prevent redundant works to save time and at the same time to save money, because that's the way go forward, right? Yeah. The modular implementation. So you become a bit more responsible on the strategic decision, also to the technical solution, and also involve other parties, maybe from other teams, uh, to come and maybe knowledge share or the other way around. And now you found this kind of spotlight for your team and go and present your work to others that you've maybe found it interesting for them mm-hmm. and you want to share the knowledge on that. Yeah. So that becomes a bit 
kind of overarching role. And at the same time, uh, you also define basically sort of with the business, you define the coming initiatives priorities and maybe, um, yeah, maybe the impact of them. Because mm. in IKEA, we always plan like three years, two years ahead at least. Mm. And you are now responsible to sit with the business in the very, very primary steps to define the initiatives coming yeah. here and also to define priorities and budget it for the, it was very interesting, I was forecasting for two years ahead. Wow. And it was the first time I was doing that. And yeah. these are the things that I, I got to learn when I was kind of bumped to that role for a temporary time. And that's then that's really cool. Yeah. I can imagine that at that level, did you do any hands-on coding at that point? Because you already said it was challenging finding space to do technical hands-on work. You were yeah. still responsible in that engineering management position. Yeah. But more markets, more aligning with people, different responsibilities and different disciplines requires meetings and time to align on Absolutely. that. And then you move over one step higher and you oversee multiple teams. You're now budget yeah. holder. So you were first advocating for your team and your priorities. And yeah. now you own the budget. So you have to give that away uh, and align with other people what the budget can be and what the priority should be. Was there any space for any technical work there? Of course, no. Of course, no. Yes, I was like, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, when I was still maybe um, very, very much loving coding. That's yeah. why maybe some nights and some weekends <laughs> I was doing still some line of code or maybe practice something with, uh, with uh, AI stuff mm -hmm. to just because. I'm a kind of a nerd of AI this day. I mean, I'm just looking for opportunities also for my personal life to see how we can add it. And we also do a staff around it. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, the really my work weeks increased to 60 hours. I mean, either in, in eight hours, I was doing 10 hours work or I was a bit over stretching my day because mm. uh, it was too much of things. And it was really critical period. We needed to deliver a lot of stuff. Yeah. And for me, to be honest, I always try to be a servant leader. Mm -hmm. I don't say I am one, but I try to learn from the good leaders in the market. And also I try to be one of them. Yeah. For me, it was very important that my team is healthy. Everyone is happy. And, and not, to f not to forget that I'm there for them, first of all, and then for the, pro for the uh, company and then for the client. Yeah. So, uh, so that's why people call me maybe people-oriented manager or something. But um, I don't like also the manager name, by the way. Um, and the main thing for me in that time was I ensure that every week I have some time. Still, I keep up my, my one-on-ones with my team. Mm -hmm. And also I ensure that the overall team is happy, which is not only engineering, but also the UX, the mixture of these teams that working together, there is a good momentum because I think that's the fun part of life, uh, of work life. And yeah. that's the, the thing that take people to work in the morning. And I didn't want to steal that because I'm super busy and I'm taking two roles and then they are getting backfired by that. So that was my focus. At the same time, I still did, to be honest, some pull request reviews per week. <laughs> <laughs> so I still, sometimes my engineers didn't expect it and I was opening GitHub and then going, oh, this is, I start commenting and then they were saying, what are you after. doing? <laughs> yeah. You were expecting to not do that, but yeah, yeah they like it anyway, because I also missed it. At least I said I can do some reviews. And, and also with pull request reviews is amazing, to be mm -hmm. honest. Apart from coding, you learn, and you also, you still cl get close, well, not coding, but you still get close to what's happening in the team. Yeah. And then also you can sometimes maybe find some rabbit holes. But, uh, and also, that also gave the feeling, that, that gave the feeling to my engineers. Even if I'm not hands-on hands coding, uh, which I was doing much more in NN, 
an mm-hmm. IKEA. I did IKEA. I think I did nothing compared to NN. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, they feel that I'm very close to them. Yeah, and that was real because I really read their documentation. I asked them to write uh, design documents when there was a decision. I always ensure that there is a proper layer of the del- delegations. I mean, that delegation is a really uh, is a strong word. A yeah. delegation becomes much much more critical and important if you go up up up. Mm-hmm. You you should just have um, the time to think about things forward and delegate things as much as possible to to other people and just keep only some few decisions to make by you. Did you have any and issues with important. that? Kind I of mean, delegating? Uh, when it comes to the delegation, at the same time, one of the things that I always triggered me, which was critical and I always double think about it, is also how much you need to delegate to a single person. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you just feel I am overstretched and now I'm going to delegate to kind of a bit uh, get it scoped. But then you also, I'm afraid that I'm too much delegating maybe to people that I'm overstretching them because yeah. engineers, when it comes to senior engineers, they are also, there is this yes personality because challenges are nice and people would like to get more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's my responsibility to ensure that I give the right amount of work to ensure that they still have a good life work balance. Because some of my engineers, they were crazy and I always had this conversation with them, guys, I don't want you to work after 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. I don't care if the business is going downfall, no care. Mm -hmm. Go sit, watch Netflix, I don't care. Don't sit at, uh, I mean, some of them were like sleeping at 4 a.m. because they were so connected to the topic. Yeah, There was no really urgency on the deadline, but they were so connected, they wanted to really get out, out of it something and then the day after presented. And and I said, okay, the day after they were like well, half asleep and said, what's happening? 4 a.m., I've done it finally. And I yeah. said, yes, score. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like that. I mean. But it's, you talked about lead by example, right? And it's some of the challenges I've seen also in practice that leadership sometimes stretches themselves because you were wearing multiple yeah. hats. So you were like, I have to, these are my responsibilities. Yeah. You go the extra mile. <laughs> yeah. But then to your people, you're like, no, 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 but you don't do that. Like you're supposed to like, Work within the hours there. That's yeah, a that's hard that's, to balance. That's a yeah. That's a very very uh, nice point you spotted. Uh, to be honest, I also always tell them uh, is I'm not blocking the ambition because I always make them more ambitious. Yeah, I mean that's I'm ambitious and by nature I just push them. Inspire. If you talk to them, I just push them. Yeah, I hope that is inspirational, but uh, sometimes they don't feel that I'm annoying. <laughs> but I'm I'm pushing them to get out of the comfort zone. Mm. Because the beauty is sitting out of the comfort zone. I mean, if you're if you're doing the same as you're doing over the years yeah. or over the last months, what is the difference between you and AI and something that does only task and check the boxes? Mm-hmm. I don't think any, there's any difference. It's repetitive, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then it's gonna get and you're gonna get annoyed anyway, even if you feel very good with the current payment and your current job. But I, as a manager or leader, that's your responsibility to ensure that you, you put the step that way ahead, mm-hmm. that they're always going to get some spikes in their careers, that they are always surprised by, oh, there's a nice challenge. And then, so that, that ambitious, I always inject it to their mind. At the same time, I say there is a balance. If I work, for example, 10 hours, but I do my gym, I do take care of my family, I have fun, maybe I do two extra hours, before my sleep or something, but ensure that I have enough sleep. Yeah. So those critical things you need to tick 
And then, of course, if your loved ones are asleep and then you have alone and then you are awake, and maybe you can spend some more time and then on your private time. However, I just mentioned if the work is properly scoped, if you have proper focus during the working days, mm -hmm. the 40 days you can achieve, some people achieve in 100 hours. Sorry, yeah. in 40 hours, you can achieve what people achieve in 100 hours. And that two factors are the responsibility of the leaders. Mm -hmm. Of course, the engineering or the engineers or the other the the coworkers they have also their own agenda. They need to check their calendar and so on. But just consider one fact that it's our responsibility to ensure that they are secure about the context changes they have during the week or during the day, and that's my responsibility. If I'm gonna let their agenda to be open and let everyone to fill in my the agenda of my team. I cannot expect they can focus something out of it. I mean, some people always mention in a lot of posts that no engineers can achieve anything 30 minutes between two meetings. Yeah. So my, my basically base, base kind of rules was we need to ensure that there is three, three hours gap between meetings. So in three hours, at least two hours can be focused time and people can be productive if it comes to delivery. Mm -hmm. So these things are basically the main thing that I'm mentioning. Don't work over the night. Yeah. And and at the same time, if you feel the pressure of the deadline that you and you're a committed person and you own things, and you feel that you need to work more, that's again my bad as your leader. I shouldn't put the deadline the way that is not comfortable, or I should do it the way that either I scope the work down, and I still ensure that you can secure it in forty hours. Yeah. So that comes to my jobs to ensure that what I'm feeding you is forty hours feeding. But if you want to do magic things or crazy things or want to experience things and you want to spend another 10 hours per week or 20 hours per week, that's your call. You want to wake up in the morning, 5 a.m., two hours coding on something new in the market for yourself or reading articles, that's your call. Yeah. For me, it's important that I'm not causing that extra work outside of the uh, working hours. Yeah, I love, I love the ownership that you take in there, right? Because it is what you do has impact on the people that work with you, right? And yeah. from a leadership position that just multiplies by the amount of people that you're leading in that way. So having that example role and making sure they're focused 40 hours is as effective as possible, yeah. just by virtue of allowing their agenda for breathing room and focus time and not being managed by other people. I love that. And then also when they do go the extra mile, obviously it's allowed. Everyone has their own yeah, kind exactly. of free time and how they spend it. But the emphasis on recovery is how it, how, they are resilient, right? How it's sustainable, how they can do it for a longer period. Exactly. And you're not the driver there. They are. And I think that's the best aspect, right? It comes from within. Exactly. And I think that is that goes hand in hand with kind of ambitious people, people that are driven. They want to go the extra mile. Yeah. So they should also be allowed to do so. And you can't control that anyway. No. As long as it's healthy. That's the important part. Exactly. And also, I always mention them. I said, you have 40... I, I'm, I'm, I have to basically ensure that you have proper 40 hours planned. Yeah of your week, but if you are an amazing performer and you finish it in three days, I ever, I don't ever feed more for the extra two days that you did you did better, yeah. and you have the freedom, no, use that two days as your benefit, that's your bonus. So you overachieved what was expected in the 24 hours instead of 40 hours, then you get that reward to spend that on your personal growth. Perfect. And maybe try something new. So I always, I always say, which is also one of my ideas when it comes to, to the budgeting. Yeah. So all the companies are complaining about budgets. But I'm always asking, when I'm in the companies and, and I see people complaining, I already can see million leakages. Mm. 
So did you ever optimize and kind of cover, kind of maybe cover those leakages to see really you don't have money? And I call it the empty pocket metaphor mm. that we always complain about empty pockets. But did you check what you have bought in over the past three days? Yeah. You bought candy there, you bought two uh, waffle there, and maybe if you save that money, you can already buy a mobile phone, I don't know, something like that. So when it comes also to people, did we, the first question I asked myself, did I optimize their working hours? Mm -hmm. Do they take the most out of it? All the time, the answer is no. Mm. You can still make things better, give them more focused time that they deliver more. So that's the my main issue. If we really... You can say, anyone dare to say that, yes, we optimize 40 hours of our employees. If you get that, then maybe you can ask for some extra miles. Yeah. But I, I don't ever think anyone can get to the 100%. So this is basically the first aspect of optimizing what you're doing, rather putting more in their plate. Because some people have this mindset, the more we put, that's going to mental pressure on them. But I say, no, the air, the urgency feeling that you want to give to your team to deliver something, it doesn't come from there. No. As as long as you're more close to them, that's my approach. When it comes to critical moments, I'm closer than ever to my engineers. I say, I'm sitting next to you. Mm. You need to deliver this one. You can deliver this. No worries. Maybe I will start coding together. And to be honest, that sentence is a magic because the day after I say they are done, mm. they just felt they are not alone, they are supported, and nothing going to fall to their plate. I always say, we win together, we learn together. Yeah, It's no individual, so don't worry. How do you make sure that they don't see that as pressure, right? Because there's something unique about you that when you say that, let's do this together, yeah. they don't see it as, oh my God, my manager's sitting next to me, they're, they're looking over my shoulder and blah, blah, blah. No, they see it as a benefit, right? We're in this together, but something you do makes them feel that. Uh, yeah, because um, the only thing is I'm not close to them only in that times. I'm always close to them. Yeah. So when I'm doing that, I'm not being a stranger to them. Oh, that's what There's happened. nothing I'm new. Sitting close. No, I'm always close to them. Yeah. Either I'm close to them to see what's happening with them, or I'm close to them to see what, what they want to do next, or I'm close to them to, to deliver something together as a team. So the problem when it comes to some leaders, I think you spotted an amazing problem in, the, in this industry is the leader sometimes feels, yes, we need to be just present there on the sad moments or the critical moments, and in the happy moments and when everything is going well, no one is really looking for engineers. Where are those people? Yeah. Somewhere in the in the office they are coding. But that's the mistake because if you are not, they don't feel they are close to them or you're in their team, you, your words means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. You're an outsider. Exactly. Yeah. That's how they will feel it. So Perfect. I try not fake it, but really play the role because I'm really concerned. They, it's not um, really because of my my payments or my roles no as a friend or i i got to learn this new term as a professional football club mm -hmm. we need to be together to win yeah and uh, and i need to be in front line with them maybe i don't do the code but i can provide them the environment right and providing the environment is as equal as they are doing because the main thing engineer wants is focus a calm safe environment to deliver things and to make mistakes. Yeah. So the first thing I let them do, mistakes. And I also do mistakes to say, you see, nothing happens. Of course. You do mistakes. And and I think that's the maybe the trick that uh, when I'm talking to my teams, uh, when it comes to critical moment, I say, guys, this is really that serious. We need to cut it down and then we need to finish it. Tell me what should be out. If we need to do that, tell me what is the risk that we need uh, to uh, mitigate now. 
or tell me how confident I should be that we can deliver it, mm. then really those answers are the best answers I always get. And with that, I create, I translate them to the conversation to stakeholders or to my peers in the product, and together we create a message and talk to the stakeholders. And it mm, amazingly worked at IKEA, which lead to deliver amazing projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we, I'm super proud of the team, and, and I'm super proud of my team and what we have achieved. And all the kudos to them. Uh, I think we as the leaders there just watched and, and celebrate with them, and that was a very happy moment. I love that. I love that. I think you're, when I look back to our previous conversation, one of the things that stuck with me is just the ambition and drive that you have. I think it's electrifying. And probably within that team, people look at you and that's also what drives and kind of fuels their own ambition. Yet still, I think, and maybe hiring has a, has a component there, there will be people that just want to coast more so. Maybe coast is a wrong term, but they just want to be fed with the work. They want to do the work. They don't want to put emphasis on those relationships, maybe not want to, uh, build on the team aspect as much or understand the business problems that much. They just want to do the technical problems yeah. and get really good at that. How do you kind of fuel that ambition from that side? Or do you take the stance of, that's all right, and we, we handle it differently? Um, let's uh, convert that to a context of a football club. Mm. Consider you have a team that everyone would like to do pass and, and want to score together. Yeah. And one of them comes and said, no. Not me. I'm completely with you to win the game. However, I'm doing it my own way. And I'm gonna. I'm more into dribbling. Mm -hmm. So you have 11 people in the field. One is dribbling, 10 is watching. Yeah. How, how that feels? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> exactly. How, how you as a coach will lead in that team? Yeah. I mean, you can say... Patrick, okay, you did dribble it, but they got the score. Maybe you score it as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe you score. But how many people gonna come really celebrate the score with you after you score the goal? Yeah, zero. It's not a team effort. They will come, maybe clap and say, "Okay, amazing," and then we win the game. And then, but after one or two games, yeah, if you do that, then people said such a, yeah, yeah, right. So they, I think that's exactly coming to mm -hmm. the context of work as well. Maybe you achieve and you deliver one project together, two projects together. But as when you are not a team player, uh, the system kind of see you as I think you call it outside the or maybe kind of uh, in silo. Mm -hmm. I mean, and especially when a silo is a single person, it's very hard to yeah. manage that. As a, I mean, I don't want to be that person in that silo, right? And I think as a manager, as you mentioned, hiring for sure has an aspect to this. So one of the aspects that I'm checking and we were checking all the time is about hiring people that matches the culture of the team and matches the value of the team and the company. So that could translate to being a team player. Mm -hmm. Because as long as you feel that you are belonged, you belong to the team and you belong to this kind of club, you will really contribute and you will do it in any way to make it successful. Yeah. But as long as you feel, no, I'm just there because my value means something, I'm the best coder in the world, for sure there's no doubt, but I think there's a mismatch for for my teams when yeah. it comes to those players. And you put more emphasis on that team feeling because I've also been in situations where the people that dribble by themselves, they're really good at that yeah. and they score over and over and over yeah. again. They yeah, might absolutely. be the best coder that I've worked with, yet the team aspect is lacking. Probably because they're really good at delivering, yeah. they don't feel like they have to put that emphasis on there. Yeah. And I've been in environments where people say that behavior is not okay or this guy's an exception and that behavior is okay. <laughs> To be honest, of course, I don't think um, there is a 
good or bad answer to it. You cannot say this is a good person, this is the good way of uh, accepting it or this is the bad way if you accepted it. I think it's a really a compromise based on what you're going to get out of that. Mm. Maybe sometimes there is a, I don't know, a million dollar project and you need someone to just deliver. Who cares? They're gonna, he's going to talk. No, I just need someone to deliver it in a month because I'm going to get a million out of it. Yeah. Yes, maybe I would say yes, I will find in my network the best one and say put it there, deliver it. Okay, thanks. Handshake. Bye. Yeah. But if you want to go long, and you want to repeat the same success, that was the that's the moment that you will get to problems mm. having those players in the team. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a very interesting thing also to mention again. Another form to the to the football, it's always hard. It's always interesting to have one star in a football club. You can have Cristiano Ronaldo like now in, in Saudi Arabia. He's a, he's a superstar of the league, right? And now, mm-hmm. of course, more people coming. But you can be a superstar, but then you're alone. I mean, you can score and people can celebrate and people will be happy that you own, they own them, but how far you can go with that? Yeah. You know, the team of superstars is what I'm looking for. What I'm building also with in Crusoe is, I call it best of the breed or the performance team, performance yeah. squad. That's what I want to do. Like bringing the best of the breed together, it doesn't mean that it's the same personality. No, these people that we did, my team, when we sit around the table, we a lot disagree. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I say, yes, challenge more, challenge more. But the moment in, we make a decision, we make a decision together. Maybe it's a compromise. Maybe no, someone uh, reasoning is much more stronger than the other. And yeah. then we get that. But when we leave the room, everyone is happy. And we said, yeah, score. So that team, team player feeling is basically giving me also as the leader or the owner of that business alongside of success because and those people also can get bored easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not, as you mentioned, I'm a best coder and I want to just do work. I don't care about any, anything else. Just leave me alone. Give me the work. Give me the tickets. I burn the tickets. Like, you're going to get bored in some point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I need to, and that's this basically the second aspect of that, what we are evaluating. So hard skills, soft skills. Mm. If you miss one of those, you need to go to a different ladder in your career mm-hmm. to fix it, basically. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. How do you put, or what do you look for in those hiring conversations? Because you you built up the team at IKEA, and now you switch to Crusoe, and you're building up a team yeah. there as well, right? Hiring is such a big aspect of that when it comes to who's sitting in front of me, who do yeah. I who do I want to have next to me within this team, who do I want to pass the ball to, yeah. uh, who do I want to win this cup with? And yeah. it requires trust, and especially if it's people that you haven't worked with before, in this tech environment, it's very hard to gauge that from an interview perspective. How do you do that or what do you put emphasis on? I think I learned this question from a smart uh, person, which was about asking this question to yourself after the interview. Mm. Will you sit next to this person for eight hours flight? Yeah. I think it says a lot. Um, and it's it's coming not only to the hard skill because... One of the things that, um, as you mentioned, I heard a lot of people when I was in IKEA and also before, and now it's basically repeating the cycle again, mm-hmm. maybe in different contexts. But when it comes to uh, to hiring over this team that I'm super proud of them, they are now an amazing, strong club together. Yeah. Without me, I was, basically the aim for me also as a leader was always to be redundant. To get to the point that I'm I'm feeling that I'm redundant, and that's the best feeling that I can get because the team is autonomous enough that they don't need me. Yeah. And at IKEA, I'm happy when I left was the moment that really I felt that I'm, 
I get to reach to that point. It doesn't mean, I mean, don't leave there be afraid of, okay, we are redundant, so they're going to fire us. No, when you are redundant, that shows that you have a good quality to lead other initiatives. And then you can spend your time on other things because this part, is this microservice is running by itself, just focused on another microservice maybe, or the connection between microservices. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically, that hiring was a critical question that I usually ask about uh, how to handle conflict. Mm. How do you see conflict in general? And I always ask, of course, conflict doesn't mean that we're going to just get neck to neck and then have a conversation. No, also conflict on a pull request. Mm -hmm. Consider you have a code and I start writing a comment which is totally against what you wrote. What is your reaction? And a lot of good insights coming from that question. Okay. Sometimes people are also surprised. Um, Well, I never had conflict in my life. And I said, can we review it together? (laughs) (laughs) Can we review it again? And then when you go, I say, consider the pull request. Consider a meeting that you're sitting around. You have uh, an opinion uh, two ways. You have an opinion that there is person or the rest is uh, kind of against that. Mm -hmm. Or the others have something and you're against that how you be behaving that. And of course, when it comes also to person-to-person conflict, that's another level of conflict. So I ask how they react, and really I rejected some people easily with that question. Okay, yeah. The, for example, one of them I remember said, yeah, the moment I have conflict, I'm going to just do talk manager and tell. <laughs> and <I laughs> you said, push the problem away <laughs> to said, someone else. Yeah, yeah well, that's you. <laughs> it was very nice talking to you. Yeah. Uh, good luck with the career. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's maybe my kind of a, deal breaker question mm. at the same time um, a, a list of questions came together over that but one of the things is about also how they react when it comes to um, to new technologies like okay apart from what is the, I mean sometimes maybe you cannot evaluate the skills because I was doing the, the hiring manager uh, part right so the technical assessment was after me so my senior engineers were doing assignments with the candidate. Yeah. So I was kind of high level focusing on tech, but mainly on the personalities. And and also asking when you have a new technology, um, how you will implement that new technology. What would be your criteria to evaluate that technology uh, when you're going to bring it in? Yeah. What are the aspects you consider about it? Or if you have a month, uh, which technologies are you going to use to deliver something? And, and it's very interesting, simple question. Um, I'll give you one month and uh, I ask you to deliver it with any technology that you think it suits the case, what what technologies you're going to choose or what tools you're going to choose? And some people directly start answering the question. Hmm. Uh, I will pick React, I will pick Node for the backend, and then I said, but I just need a static web page. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, okay. Yeah, tell me requirement. And that's a break, deal breaker for a senior engineer. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Then I would, write some notes about it. Yeah. So this sort of question when it comes to behaviors, maybe sometimes connected to tech, sometimes to personal uh, behavior in the in a conversation, those are for me are very detailed things that I get from the answers. And and I think the people that pass those processes, not only me after us, there are amazing talents and people that we had to interview people. Together we came up to the decision to hire someone. Yeah. But I think the filter was very nice because now that team is really binded together. Different personalities, different qualities, but together they are just one strong arm. And I love that. I love that. I love hearing that. I think those are some great examples as well. And it makes me even more curious because those are very much from a technical perspective, right? Yeah. And you have the most experience career-wise in the technical domain. Now you've gone into a position where you're building kind of your own startup you have to hire people with skills that are you might know some stuff about 
marketing or sales, but it's not your core, right? Your core is still the technical side. Yet you have to hire these people and you have to trust them that they value the same values that you do as a company. And you have to trust that they then hire the same people as well down the line because you're not going to do their hiring process. No, absolutely. This is like make or break to find the right core team, I feel like. Yeah. How do you do that? Because that, I feel like, is different. Um, first of all, I don't think I'm the, the most experienced in the career. I still learn, need to learn <laughs> a lot in that. But um, uh, thank you for that compliment. The The main thing about this, of course, moving on to Crusoe, um, for years, to be honest, I had a, a golden squad. Then mm. I said, when I'm opening a company, I'm going to just start with those Your four team. people. Yeah. Yes, my A team. Um, and these three people, now two or four people now, uh, are kind of friends that we made over work. Mm. And, and of course, uh, one of them is Anouk, Tatiana, and more to come. Um, Anouk is uh, it's an amazing agile. She's... She's our transformation director. She has done big projects in government and in also in commerce uh, companies mm. to do digital transformation at the same time, do agile leading, and also, of course, all this. And she's very hands-on. Even you say, okay, host a retro, she does the best retro ever, I would say. And then she has that quality, that pillar uh, about uh, basically governance, people, processes. And then we have from the product Tatiana with years of experience in big companies like Booking, and she is fantastic. And... So those people I had in mind, and when this opportunity came, the first thing is I just called them and said, guys, such an opportunity to come, it's not still yes or no, we don't know, but I'm going to do homeworks, and mm -hmm. I want to do assignments, and I want to basically fight for uh, for getting a chance to get in. Yeah. Uh, they all said, sure. Okay. We resign tomorrow. Really? And I said, this is uh, it's beyond yeah, yeah. what I expected, and I love them, they know it. So I'm super lucky to have that squad. And we over the past years, we talked about it. That when we, the moment we get together again. And all of us, it was very interesting because all of us diverged and then now converging. Mm -hmm. And we get also to a new harmony because now we have different experiences, different point of views, and now still being the same people. Uh, so the first squad, the core team is built up like this, which I'm lucky that it's that. Mm -hmm. And I trust them to to my basically blood. And I, if they said this person is right fit, without question, I accepted it. That's why, because we know each other quite well, yeah. And we know the culture we're gonna build. That we are gonna just do hand picking people. Mm -hmm. I mean, for Crusoe, I don't wanna have massive hiring from all over the world because I wanna compete with the price. And no, our people are gonna be expensive and our quality gonna be top notch because I'm gonna hand pick people and just do the top things on a faster way. Mm -hmm. And the envy will be perhaps cheaper because these people that I'm bringing, they are really on the top top 10, top three in their own business. And if something takes people like two years to deliver, they can deliver them in two months. They are that efficient and and I've worked with them. And we also already delivered some projects in Cruise, even if we are alive for two months, but we delivered project and that showed the quality. So. That's my luck. At the same time, one of the things is still you need to define the the values and you need to define a vision. Yeah. And for me, the values for this company are called IFTT, okay. which is inclusiveness, fairness, fun, transparency, and trust. Mm. So these are the five values that we are gonna that which are basically my personal uh, values. And at the same time, my team, initial team, also they believe in those five. They added one of them. And and I think with those values, which I found them um, the foundation of a, of a professional team. Yeah, I think we would perhaps have a criteria when we hire people. 
And at the same time, this is, uh, as I said, our aim is to do an effective, efficient fund work for a problem connected to a company, to a human, to whatever, just doing positive for the for the planet and for, for people. That's why one of the projects also we recently started is about sustain creating the most sustainable websites on, in the Netherlands mm. for Vanicare, which is an NGO. They are doing uh, NGO work for um, for animals in Indonesia, and they are, fan- they are doing fantastic job, and they are doing fantastic thing. Even if that really, from the budget perspective, of money transparency, there is nothing there. But I think we feel it as a mission for us. We said we promise to deliver value, and nothing can bring more value to maybe to planet contributing to such projects, which for me are very heartwarming. At the same time, I hope it cannot just expand our kind of positive impact in this world. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you say you had the luck that you found those relationships, but it's it's a testament to the relationships that you built up during like over time, right? It, and luck might be a factor, probably right time, right place was a component of that. Yeah. But the fact that they said yes and they joined you <laughs> kind of kind of fairly immediately says a lot about you as a person, right? Thank you. The trust that you've built up and this dream team that you put together. I feel like it is kind of a cheat code because you don't start <laughs> with a blank slate. But yeah, like that's that's the history that you've built up, right? You take that with you. People always say, don't burn any bridges. And this is what happens when you don't burn any bridges, right? If you yeah. value those relationships, if you are the people person that I think you are, Thank that's you. what happens. That's the result of that. Yeah, that's very nice of you. To be honest, over the, the years that I learned, and I, I learned about people, I, I got a lot of friends mm-hmm. over work and, and the sport. Yeah, I think my contact list, it's personal phone contact list is around 800, 900 people that I know and I work or... That's crazy. I, yeah, <laughs> I was in a football club with them for years. Or I, I mean, every name I check, I'd say, I, I can remember memories about them. Yeah. So that network that I had, I have seen every person has a talent. Every person can be delivering more than what they're doing today. And I think in Crusoe, what I'm looking for, handpicking doesn't mean that I'm going to just pick maybe the top people. No, the people that can bring a specific values to the maybe to this world. Mm. Maybe we have a project that I know someone is enthusiastic <coughs> about that topic and maybe doesn't have the quality of a senior engineer, but he's that enthusiastic can get to that level to deliver the best value for that project or for that work. I think that's what I'm calling handpicking, to put the right people for the right projects and of course, those when you put people to things that they love to do, they go to the extreme productivity. And if they deliver, I don't know, maybe I don't know, burn tickets, burn ten points per week. They're gonna burn hundred points per week because they love to see the end of it because they love the top subject. Yeah. So, and at the same time, of course, I'm gonna bring the top qualities because I want to remember names. I don't want to go big like some big names in the consultancy. I don't want to name anyone, but. Those ones are massive and they are millionaires and billionaires. But I think I'm going to scope it to uh, to limited people that I can remember names as the, maybe the director of that company that I can have a personal chat with them. Not, of course, having one-on-one, but still when we see them, I don't look a stranger to them or not them to me. Uh, so that's, the I think, the club that I would like to build. And, of course, if you're going to scale, and of course, we will scale it, but I have, we have, I have a different plan how to scale it up to mm-hmm. maybe even thousands of people. But for me, it's very important that that club is uh, its not just a name, but it's when people go home, they want to come back tomorrow to work. Yeah. And one thing that I also mentioned about uh, all these things um, that we are now doing about qualities and staff, also uh, over the past years, I learned that one of the things that we miss when it comes to any level 
from the engineering to leaders. It's an economic view mm. to things because now the economy is really putting pressure on everyone. It's about companies, people, the grocery is already 40% expensive, so everyone feels the, the crisis. And it's not the first time in the history it happens, and of course it has ups and downs, we know that. But let's make it more sustainable, but by giving, especially in Crusoe, I want to give everyone and myself um, to take an economic view on things when it comes to delivering qualities. Mm. And we need to ensure, why I'm saying economy, because it has a direct impact on people's life. Yeah. And, and it can bring, when you, have, uh, t- when you take an economy in mind, you can also be more efficient in your working. So for me, it's very important, apart from having a team, the best of the breed teams together, is also giving them that view that they do the most efficient work for themselves, for the companies, and for the clients. I love that. One of the final questions I still have has to do with kind of this vision that you're talking about, right? Because I also love that you admit that it's not perfect and you still make mistakes. I think that's that's a great mindset to always have. But it is there, right? You're able to vocalize it. You have a vision there. You already have ideas for the future. Those you've probably built up throughout your career, but now you, you get the opportunity to execute yeah. on that. Yeah. Like how, how have you honed this vision of yours? Is it by having a dialogue with people that have done it before, by doing your own research? How can you do that? And how is it still growing in that way as well? Yeah. So when it comes to, to this vision, which I mentioned, our, our vision is to make us absolute. It's that uh, we we need to empower people. Mm-hmm. That's coming from that learning I had over the over the years, maybe myself. And I love to have that empowerment myself. Yeah. So empowerment can be translated to basically I'm empowering my engineers, I'm empowering my employees, or I'm empowering my client. What if my client gets empowered that everyone will be happy at the end of the day? And of course, from the business wise, it's going to still pay back more than just stay there for the sake of the money. So that empowerment is something that I had it for years personally, which I guess everyone has something to be empowered and to be loved by. And and I hope with this position that I have now, which is also, I need to mention about the pitfalls of these positions when you're startup and you're a CEO, I'm, I'm just feeling it after two months, maybe I don't have the authority to judge it a lot, I need to still explore. But I think that's the feeling that every morning you wake up, you can really jump from branches to branches. Mm. But you should again remind yourself, I am basically the the head of this, um, of this car and I need to ensure that I don't really go a lot because I can confuse myself and I can confuse others. And maybe I have the privilege that the space to do exploring However, it needs to be connected to each other. So, and if you make a, a kind of tremendous opposite decision, there should be a very good reasoning. And and the good thing about this initial team that I have, which are, as I mentioned, my locks and the carrier, it's also what I do with them. I just say, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And I get very good echoes on the on the idea, mm. and together we change it. For example, this idea of. Um, we mark ourselves obsolete and that's the plan. I just came with the idea that I said consultancy to redundancy. Uh, and we, I just said, guys, I'm just thinking about consultancy to redundancy. And yeah. they say, yeah, redundancy is very negative. And you need, you, what do you mean? And I explain, yeah, I mean that to empower the client and so on. And then they come up with this nice, actually, vision. Yeah. So I think the vision for me at the end would be we empower people at the end. Don't um, just focus on the traditional things or the things that already worked out, 
for example, as a company, we see this service that we are doing is working out and we are earning yeah. from that and we are running. But at the same time, also be ahead of the market and be on the trends to explore before people hitting that, to have a good answer for people. Because one of the things that I guess it also would help, if, if we are ahead of the trend, we can help and maybe uh, kind of push the, the conversion of those on adaptation of the technologies, new technologies, on the right way. Yeah. Because anything can be bad and, uh, and positive. So that's, that's come to the vision of empowering people, empowering uh, technologies, and mix them together. And I believe in magic, and I think if you do that, that's going to happen, perhaps. Amazing. <laughs> I think that's, uh, for me, that's awesome, right? Because people talk about having a shared vision or creating a shared vision. And I think just by virtue of having it laid out like that, someone starts with an idea, people emphasize on it, people give critique, and people hone it, and then it becomes ownership of a team, right? A core team, and then Absolutely. it translates into a shared vision. I think that's that's very important. The vision is not one person vision. Yeah. Um, and and of course, when I'm that's why when I'm sometimes I also shoot some ideas and they completely against it, and I just forget about it and say, okay, so. We need to be aligned. And then not only the, the five of us or the four of us now, it should be the company. And I'm already thinking about how to ensure that if we have a lot of people in, I ensure everyone has a share in that conversation and has a voice to even get be against that. You guys, you said the vision is there, but your daily work doesn't reflect it. Yeah. If my schedule as a leader doesn't reflect the vision of the company or the strategy of the company, then this is just on paper. Exactly. And that's what you see in companies that usually the vision, basically the vision is the destination, right? Sort of. And the strategy is the way to get to that destination. And usually people talk about it, especially on the high level, and then it's top down coming to everyone and you need to follow it. And at the same time you said, okay, well, let's accept it and go for it. But then you see the the top level even don't adhere to that and then they jump in and then their their decision doesn't, match with that or match with the values of the company. So then it comes to very less uh, credibility of those values and visions yeah. and becomes none, none less actually, n nonsense. And then you you leave it or maybe you say you just accept it because you signed uh, the code of conduct of the country, of the company. Yeah. So for me, it's very important that I have ideas about companies and, and how to run that and so on. But I need to put it to the blend to see what comes out because when we put something there, everyone should really feel it with all their selves and they fight for it. Because if I'm gonna do that, then it will create a hierarchy that someone dictated that. And I hate to be <laughs> that person. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the build up. I think it makes a lot of sense, kind of the relationships you've built up, the trust and the environment that you create and to do it at the highest level, right? With your football team at the World Cup, yeah. let's say. I think that's, uh, that's really cool. And some one of the smart things and last thing about that that I love to heard it from a vice person that was one of my friend and I, I I'm stealing it from her and I told her I'm gonna steal it from you <laughs> and and I never thought about it but this mindset means what we are doing here because she is also similar like me and whatever she when she talks I'm just feeling I'm talking but I'm just a lady mm. and it's very, very aligned in the line of thinking when it comes to leadership and she had really a similar career growth as I have. She said, you know what, what I have done is when I'm presenting in the onboarding, we have the, f the flip chart from the CEO coming down, right? She said, I just turned it back. Mm -hmm. Said, these are the, the heroes. These are the people, just the servants. And the, 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 the most servant is me at the button. Yeah. 
carrying it. I think this is amazing. That's genius. Just flip the chart. Yeah. And that's basically what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Man, this was this was a blast. Like I, I can't believe, first of all, that it was two years ago when we had this conversation. <laughs> like uh episode twenty and and time flew. But I love how we did kind of a check-in. And I think Thank I'm you. I'm very excited to see what the future holds. I think it should be shorter than two years when we do this again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. The same here. I'd, I'd love to be again on this uh, stage together and again seeing you. And uh, I really appreciate your time and also having me over. Thank you very much. Same, man. Thanks. Then I'm going to round it off here. I'm going to put all Mahdi's socials in the description below. Check them out. Let them know you came from our show. And with that being said, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one.